Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box, Channel 10 takes its 2021 offering to market. We give our verdict. Has Channel 7 found the show that can take on the might of Married at First Sight? And we speak to the creator of HBO's Entourage. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello, lovers, and welcome to another edition of the TV Black Box, where there's nothing but love, joy, and happiness. And loving us tonight will be... She's such a delight. It's Sarah Monaghan. Hello, Shrimp Tank. Good morning, everyone. Yes, good morning where you are. Also joining us tonight for his take on everything except Big Brother is Benjamin Norris. Hello, Ben. Well, hello, guys. So excited. What did you say? I have to talk about Big Brother. Okay. <laughs> uh, Malk is with us. Hello, Mr. Malky Mog. I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> and our special guest tonight is David Robbo Robinson. Hello, Robbo. Hello there, Robert. Great to be with everyone. I can't wait to uh, tell people in the TV industry where they get their news from. Haven't, <laughs> haven't you bought your bouncy pants, Robbo? What does that mean? What is just your bright bubbly and you're, you're raring to go. It's oh, like I just can't go. wait. A television's in my, uh, in my blood. I can't wait to uh, rip into you it. You know tonight. this is radio, right? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you know, interesting you say that, Sarah, because if people could see my vision right now, uh, they're probably going to be thankful because that looks like... Yes, I definitely as, uh, have a face up for radio us. at this time of the morning. Oh, oh, there's no place oh, like home. Has oh, well, look, <laughs> let's get to that because there is a lot to discuss and Channel 10 has held its annual upfront event for advertisers and media writers during the week. For the most part, it's situation normal, although shows usually shot overseas are being shot domestically. Dancing with the Stars, Family Feud and Bachelor in Paradise have all been axed. New shows include Making It Australia, The Doghouse Australia and The First Inventors. Mark, we'll get to the programming in a moment, but you watched the presentation as it was streaming. What did you think? They really know how to labour a joke. That's what I learnt. Uh, and while I appreciate that the whole theme was, you know, come home, you know, there's no place like home, the whole Wizard of Oz link, which was in itself, I think for, you know, for a short part, a pretty neat gag. You know, the living room team became Dorothy and, and the Scarecrow, the the Tin Man and the, the Cowardly Lion. Osher Ginsberg was the wizard uh, and they sort of, all of that kind of stuff tied together. It was It was, it was pretty funny for three minutes of the nine minutes that it ran for. Um, and they then didn't really tie it back in too much. Oh, and an excellent special uh, touch, Sandra Sully as Glinda the Good Witch, spectacular, um, because who else could she be? Uh, but, yeah, they never really connected that 
what seemed to be a pretty obvious tag uh, that you know, there's no place like home, that obviously that's where the production is, but it, it should have been there's no place like home on 10. We didn't get that connection. Yeah, but I agree with you, Mock. The, the other thing is, and I don't mean this in a bitchy way at all, but 10 has never been home, you know. So 9 always had still the one, and, and obviously because they were number one. But when you're saying um, there's no place like home, I just wonder if that's completely missed the messaging and just the wrong kind of messaging for 10 um, because it just never has been for the majority of Australians over its 50 years. Robbo raises a point. Seven has always been that feeling of home and family, haven't they? Well, mate, they, they, who was it? Um, uh, Lecky's wife. Um, Lecky? Yeah, yeah, that the branded that the, their their audience was a roast chicken audience. On that mulk, it wasn't Skylecky who came up with roast chook. It was during Maureen Plasvik's uh, tenure oh, as CEO. She didn't come up with it. The research showed Seven was shown as wow. roast chook, and the executives at the time were mortified because Big Brother was coming along. They didn't want mm. to be part of that. Uh, sorry, they wanted to be more like Channel Ten and feared becoming the third rated network, which happened for a week, I think. Um, <laughs> what happened? with David Leckie was that he embraced the roast chook and that's where seven success took off. They didn't play against brand, whereas seven were playing against brand, wanted to be something different to how the audience saw them. Sorry for the quick history that's, lesson. No, no, that's excellent clarification. And I think it speaks to the fact that even now in 2020, 10 still don't know who they are. They keep saying that they're pitching as this under fifties network, which in itself is not a demographic that exists. No. Um, but, yeah, we're 10, we're the under-50s network. We've got younger people watching us and all of those sorts of things. And look at our programming. It's all young people's uh, programming. Now, while they did acknowledge that, you know, they're getting some good numbers on catch-up for some of the, the returning franchises like Bachelor, Bachelorette and those sorts of things, ratings-wise, they're in the toilet this year. Yeah. Um, they really are not pulling like they need to and certainly not pulling that. And if they are getting the numbers on their catch-up services, they should be shouting from the rooftops. MasterChef was huge for them. I mean, granted, like one MasterChef series landed really well and then the other one now is not doing so well. But you can't take away from Channel 10 that they have had some good content. Like maybe the ratings are not that great, but the ratings haven't been great across the board. So I think it's interesting and I think that they their new scheduling, they got rid of all the right things. I was so desperate for Dancing with the Stars to come back and then it was just really not that great. Uh, and then I also thought uh, Bachelor in Paradise, you know, I've never really liked. It just seems woeful, like really shameful and the content's never been must-watch. But that could be to do with the fact that I'm 40 and I'm not like my sister's age. And my sister did say to me the other day, she'll be sad that that goes. MasterChef was an absolute success story for Channel 10. Yeah, There's absolutely. no doubt about it. The transformation from getting from the old host to the new host and increasing audience, bloody brilliant job. And we've said that from the get-go. But there's no doubt the network's been in trouble this year. Um, we're, we'll be talking ratings for week 42 in a bit, but the network came fourth behind the ABC again. You know, like, this is not a good time for the programming department at 10 because they're not kicking goals. Even Mars Singer was down. Bachelor franchise is in the toilet at the moment. Bachelorette's doing yeah. woeful numbers. And to the point where we've all got Bachelor fatigue that they're chopping Bachelor in Paradise. They're, you know, so we're going Spin down off. from three... Um, parts of the franchise down to two. So I think there, I think, yes, we've got to acknowledge there's been some highs, but there's also some real lows that's showing a lack of depth here to me, Robbo. 
Yes, but, but look, the, the thing is, 10 doesn't know how to win. 10 has never known how to win. Um, they, you know, every, occasionally they have these great shows that came come along and they take risks on shows that other people didn't. But I think at, at 10, inherently, um, that, that there was always a very long period of time where they accepted that they were third and that was okay. That was kind of within the uh, the psyche of the, of the network. Um, I, I still don't think that they've really pulled out of that. Um, and look, the 16 to 39 strategy that they came up with, where they went, this is where we're a- which appealing to viewers. Yeah, which worked beautifully, didn't and it? And they sold that to advertisers, and yeah. it was a smart, smart play. They're trying to do the same with the under 50s demo. I don't think that's penetrated the market as such and as successfully. And they don't really, they're not so dominant in under 50s. But Sarah, let's go no. into their new shows. Have you seen Making It uh, with Amy Poehler in the States? I have not, but I finally got television. Uh, <laughs> you'll be happy to know just for you. Um, we got the television TV, podcast. So now I have all the live tales. <laughs> um, but I do know what the show is. It's about them and they go out and they see people making stuff. Um, and I think Australia can do any show that foreign people do as long as there's enough people for it like i mean this isn't a gangbuster show this isn't a the voice this isn't uh america's got talent you know uh i was looking at some ratings for this and it has had a huge drop off from the voice you know the voice is rating about eight million and i think um that making it was doing around 2.3 million that's sometimes sometimes what does well in the states versus what does well in australia are opposites oh sure you know, like some people, they, they yeah, understand one thing, but they're not another. And I think Australia could do with another show where you actually meet people. But I, I, I fear that after two seasons, you run out of people who want to be on the show. Yeah. And, and look, the, the problem is that this just doesn't scream hit to me at all. And then we've got... Um, but Lego and- Masters, who would have thought that would have worked? I well, did. you know what? That's a fair well, point. That's a fair point, and maybe it will work. You know, like I'm always happy to be proven wrong, and I'd like to see ten do well. But <laughs> I, they are really risking it with a program called the Doghouse Australia. When was the last time a dog show worked? Besides Bluey, which is an animated show on ABC, but Pooch Perfect bomb. Celebrity Dog School. Larry Emder still has nightmares about that show. Everyone's buying dogs during COVID, so maybe now dogs it, are popular again. Well, it just doesn't seem to translate. No, um, it's like it's, children. It's, everyone, this is what you need to understand about dog shows. Everyone loves their own dogs. Everyone loves their own children, but no one likes other people's children or other people's dogs. Like, it's just not, <laughs> like, it's I just a known thing. I yeah. love all the dogs. The benefit to this, though, I think, in the transformation is that the doghouse uh, is about families getting matched. You know, it's 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 a dating show. It's the families finding their dog. That's what it is. And the UK version, which is run on Saturday nights here on 10, look, it hasn't lit up the ratings, but it's done pretty reliably. And it is a heartwarming show. And I think if it's done in the same vein, there's an opportunity, right? There's a way that they can make that go. Is uh, it the just challenge me, though, Michael? Be... Did these two announcements, and we'll get to the third one in a moment, just mm. seem like filler? They are not your big... Like you're getting rid of Dancing with the Stars and Family Two Feud, two big brands for the network, and you're yeah. replacing it with two things that just don't seem like they're going to set the world on fire. The Mars Singer was a show that set Australia on fire. Are these sure. cheap shows to produce? 
ostensibly. Um, yeah. The doghouse is, is you know, RSPCA, you get some families and they meet a dog, right? Well, um, you, everyone said with The Masked Singer, though, just to quickly jump in, but, you know, a lot of people thought The Masked Singer was going to bomb. That was no, the no, 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 you go back and read the TV Black Box articles. When Kevin Perry broke the story that The Masked Singer was coming, we were talking so highly of it and we said on TV Black Box and on this podcast it would be a hit. Other media might have said other things, Ben, but we you could the proof's there. Um, it's on the website. Go and have a look. But Sarah, you've just raised a really interesting point about the budgeting of shows. We do know there was an article today, and I'm trying to think of where it was, that said 10 have to reduce their budget. All the, the Australian C- Media Diary. Thank you. Uh Viacom CBS are telling all the um stations they own. They have to reduce their budgets by 10 to 15% per year. Now, you look at Channel 10. They have gone through budget after budget after budget cut. They've retrenched staff. What fat is there still to cut? And you might have the point that they're buying budget shows because they have no budget. Well, we talked about the news cuts being, you know, cuts into bone. That was, you Mm. know, straight out amputations in that regard. Sorry, Sarah. No, no, but I mean, if you get something that's really cheap or CBS is like, here's a free thing that we'll throw in for you and it's super cheap to make. And so they're just, they're just trying to make filler and trying to make, you know, lemon drops with the lemons they've got. The challenge with making it is that it is a fun show. It's a crafting show. It's ostensibly a master chef. We have to make something in your, whether you're a tapestry person or a woodworker or whatever. And, and it's really fun. And Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler as the hosts of it, I think really make the format work. Uh, yeah, having who's it, going to do it here? It'll be that's Usher the real and question. Amanda they Keller. have been deathly silent as to who is going to host this. No, I predict it, really it now. Usher and Amanda Keller. <laughs> bad idea. Straight out, I'll tell you that's yeah. a bad idea. You need someone with the comedic chops. Someone's got a bit of a, a crafty history. That's where Nick Offerman comes in. Uh, Amy and he are good friends. They play off each other really well. Chris and Julia. I think they would oh be crazy News. not to go uh, down the path of Celia Pricola and someone else. Look, uh, the one show that does look very interesting i'm really interested in it don't think it will rate depending on where it's put is the first inventors um i like the sell for it i like the feeling it has been but uh are australians really going to get engrossed with it i hope they do Look, I think with that show as well, I kind of feel similar about all the new lineup. It's kind of like when an arts and crafts store opens at your local mall, you're like, yay, I'm so going to love that. And then you never buy anything <laughs> and it shuts down. So like, I feel like that's the sort of artsy crafts, crafts, the sort of stuff that's gone on. Um, but ultimately I still have a lot of faith in it and I did walk away, you know, and sometimes it is about a feeling and it's not exactly stacking the facts. And I must admit from the upfronts, I did walk away from the overall thing thinking at least there's some new attempts at new content for the country, which I enjoy. Mm -hmm. At least they made some smart decisions with the cull. And the only thing I really didn't like about the upfronts was I just thought it was a choice for them to have Amanda Keller so front and center. You know, I thought that was the biggest misstep for me overall with the branding of the network i love her i think she's a fantastic person i think she's great on the living room i think she's great on radio but i just felt like overall with her playing dorothy in that whole you know situation or sketch 
it just was the wrong choice, I would think, to represent the network, isn't it? Age-wise, uh, very interesting ratings point. Wise. I mean, she is one of their biggest stars. Interestingly, though, The Living Room, what does it do? 230,000 viewers? It's not exactly a huge success, but it was front and centre at the front of their upfront. It really yeah. was. Well, can, can I suggest that's, that's because 10 don't have stars? Mm. Really, like the, you've got your Osha, uh, you've got your Sandra Sully, but when you look at seven and and especially nine, uh, ten doesn't have marquee stars that are Channel Ten. The closest they get to are people like Amanda Keller, um, obviously Julia Osha Morris. is there as well, Julia Morris, um, but they don't have the same kind of power and um, you know gravitas that that other networks have, and I think that's why they probably used her a bit more. Well, it's going to be fascinating. And look, 2021 is going to start with a bang. With News 7's new mini golf show, Holy Moly, is set to take on the might of Married at First Sight. According to the Australian execs at Seven, are pleased with the show and will use it to launch their rating year. Robbo, what do you reckon about this? Family fun or bitchy drama? Well, we've seen that bitchy drama wins, right? Maths, people love maths for the car crash, um, ridiculous television that it is. It's almost like a yeah. a different kind of version of um, Jerry Springer. We watch Jerry Springer just <laughs> to see this different kind of level of what people are. Now, if you're going to watch maths, you're not going to be, uh, you know, um, bought over to Seven to watch Holy Moly. It's it's. I think it's bad programming because they're two different shows. They cra- they attract two different audiences. I don't see Holy Moly audiences. Um, sorry, I don't see um, maths audiences being cannibalised by um, uh, Holy Moly because they're just two different audiences. I think it's uh, a bad call. Uh, and Hang it on, won't is it a bad a call to offer a real point of difference rather than another bitchy, you a, know, like manufactured drama a, like My Kitchen Rules, which yeah, didn't rate? It's a juggernaut, it, though. Why would you... Why, you you're going to waste something against juggling. You've got to put something against love. it. I understand yeah, that, I but why I'm... would you put your big thing, your big money spinner, your big, like, this is their thing. Why would you put that up against something that is just people of all ages love it, they hate it, they love it to hate it, they hate it to love it. It is just one of those things that is cut through in programming that we haven't seen for a long time in television where it just goes across everywhere. It's water cooler. Um, people can't wait to talk about it. Um, Holy Moly is great. I just don't think it belongs up against maths, and I think that's really poor programming. See, I think 2020 was such a shit year and everybody was so tired of everything that I think that come 2021, I think there's going to be a big shift and people are going to be tired of all the bitchiness. They're going to be tired Mm. of being stuck at home. They're looking for new and fresh and happy and they just want joy. I think next year will be the year where everybody searches for their joy. And I think if you give people happy television for a change, they might actually move over to that. Well, the inside information from both of Married at First Sight and then from Holy Moly is that everyone is thrilled to bits with Holy Moly. Everyone is loving it. They think it's a great product. It was now replaced where they thought Big Brother was going to be at the start of the year. So, look, Seven, uh, you know, sitting on a hit, I would say. I think with maths, everything I've been told is it's same old, same old. Uh, You know, I heard a really detailed story about one of the contestants uh, whose name is Bryce. You know, apparently he's playing the nasty guy and the girl that he's with is sweet and lovely and, you know, she's head over heels for him and he's a bit of a cheating guy. And then I think Sarah raises a really valid point and that is that what is the aftermath of 2020 with COVID-19? Like what is what are we going to be wanting to look at? And if you look at the success of Ninja Warrior and then you look at the nostalgia of um, It's a Knockout, I think that Holy Moly is actually going to do really well and it's going to be the first show to take a serious dint out of the maths format, which we have to remind ourselves is up to Series 8. 
The the real thing that we learned out of 2020 is that uh, even juggernauts end. Mm-hmm. So while I'm not predicting that Holy Moly will be Merit at First Sight's undoing, um, it, it's it's either, and it, it, I don't think there's any middle ground on this, it's either going to be an absolute breakout hit for Seven and it will smash Merit at First Sight or it will just be crushed under the weight of this, you know, reality TV hate-filled thing, whatever it is. Um, It's, and it's a real, for me, it's a real danger sign when you're programming your unknown, untested hit, new, big, new show, up against the thing that killed your big, new show. Like, it's not like they're saying, well, we'll we'll throw some trash up against... um, Married at First Sight, and then we'll come straight out off the back of it with Holy Moly. We'll give it a chance, let it breathe, and then in we come. I get that that it will have a bit of a summery feel. It's all at night and there's people in shirts and, you know, we're hitting people with bats and, you know, Denise Drysdale falling over and all those sorts of things. Um, the, the problem, I think, for Holy Moly is that just that it is too fun. And for it to be in a stripped sense, people are going to tire of the format quickly and it's not going to have... Th- not that Merit at First Sight has meat, but it's not going to have the meat on the bones that it's uh, but Mark, uh, big competition does. Can you see the similarities with um, Australian Ninja Warrior? Can you see those similarities? Because I think that that show was really not going to be uh, what it was and what it is. Like, you know, it really does have a fan base there. And I think this is very similar. It's from the same family. So I oh, think that look, people are going to be really have, shocked. Lots of shows have good fan bases. Lots of shows get cancelled every day. Okay. <laughs> and uh, well, uh, one thing I would say, Mark, is uh, I have seen bits of Holy Moly, mm. and I really liked what I saw. I'm rooting for it. I want it to get up. I love mm. the idea from the minute I, the minute I heard they were getting it. Okay, guys, well, here's one for you. According to a media report in the SMH, the ABC intends to introduce a compulsory password-protected login system for its digital assets, including ABC News Online and iView streaming services from mid-next year. That means to look at news, you've got to put your password in. To use iView, you've got to put your login and password in. Um, Robbo, what do you reckon of this? Uh, they're, they're just joining every other commercial streamer in the world. Uh, everyone's got to sign in into Netflix. You've got to sign in. Netflix can take all the data. Slight uh, problem also... here, mate. This no. isn't a commercial venture. This is a government-funded service. However, it is also there to entertain and inform Australians. And the best, and they need to do that in the best possible way. That's part of the ABC Charter. They need to be able to tell stories and inform Australians mm-hmm. in a broad sense. This is the best way to do it. Technology is now caught up where they are able to get that information. All of their competitors, and they are competitors, they're, they're competing against news.com.au, 10, 7, Netflix, 9, whatever. Um, and I believe that this is an important tool that they should be able to get. Their, their role, their role, is to tell Australian stories, uh, to bring a different, um, you know, angle of stories to Australians and to news. I think this is really important. I think it's so. Really hang on, great there's a bushfire coming towards my house. I want to get the latest news from ABC News. Oh, hang on, I've got to put a. I've, oh, I haven't. I haven't joined up. I have to log in and Robert, register. Robert, 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 Robert. Do you How have often to do, do it you each... have to? You don't have to do it every time. Like you're being silly here. Uh, you yeah, don't do have to you do, do it, it every each time. time, or is it just the once? No, of course you like no. You you would do it the same way that news. News.com.au does it. You do it the same way. As I don't. I don't give my login credentials to news.com.au. Yes, you do because we use it on the other show. Of course, no. <laughs> that's no. That's the Telegraph and the like. News.com.au doesn't have. Well, you can oh log in and God, become a commenter. Rob, 
Rob, okay, I'm talking about Daily Telegraph where you've got to pay. Yeah, but I pay for that. I pay for that subscription service. Why should the ABC be getting my user data for its own purposes? Everyone else does. Google, Facebook, like everyone else does. That's not an answer. It's got a mock. It is an answer. The, re- the reason is best I can tell why the ABC would want to do this is so that they can make smart programming decisions uh, when they Correct. are trying to line up the next Correct. big thing that they want to make or, or, or do. If they can get, because it's more than just we have, um, you know, we had 750,000 downloads or views of this program. Now they can then shape to say, and the general picture is that they were women aged between 16 to 39 that watched this. You know, Bluey was consumed by women aged 16 to 39 thousands and thousands of times. They must have kids. Great for them. How does it service me? I'll tell you what. I I signed up to Nine now because I have to. It's a commercial venture and I don't get it without signing up. So I signed up, right? Sure. It's a free service. But the, the so it's not free in the fact that I've got to give them some of my data to be able to get it. The ABC is government funded. It is supposed yep. to be a service for the people. They're not supposed to be taking from us to provide that service. They do that through our taxpayer dollars. How do they now provide the service dipping. to you if they don't know what to provide to you? So if there is a better way for them to provide, Well, then if they you, don't know what to provide, get people who do know what to provide. Well, uh, well there's no one in Australia. Great, if we look at 7 and no, 9 and 10, we don't have good programmers I, in Australia. I view as a great service. Service, oh. Why do they need my data? They, uh, it's so, just so that be, no, a, be a spin to be able to suggest now, that they need my data out. to do it. All I said was, I suppose this is why they're doing it. I'm not saying this is why. I'm not defending it. I, mate, nothing but derision has risen out of my Twitter feed around that article that we posted on TV Black Box saying that this is what likely was going to be the case. Uh, and I can understand why people are doing that just as I can understand why you're saying what you do, Rob. Um If I can play devil's advocate for a moment, if the ABC has its budget shrinking, so therefore they need to make smarter decisions with what little money they have, then surely getting some demographic detail on the people who use iView so that they can then channel those limited funds into programs that suit the people that use that service, then surely that, to me, says that they're trying to do the best they can with what they have to serve the Australian public. Exactly. I'll be interested to see if they leave the um, overseas portion open because it used to be geo-blocked and then they finally opened it up so other people overseas could watch it. So maybe also when, you know, people log in from overseas, they'll be able to capture what countries everybody is logging in from as well. Truth. I think a quick question. With IP addresses anyway. A quick, quick question back to you, Rob, was, you know, I was interested in what you were saying in the sense that they are getting something from you. So what are you getting from them? But then... Uh, let's just say hypothetically you get better content following, you know, that they get a better understanding of you and then they deliver you better content, knowing what is more popular. Is that not something that you could consider as maybe a bit of a transference? Like as in... Well, then have an opt-in system. Don't make it compulsory. But then I don't understand why you're so worried about your, you know, your your internet's property or whatever it is. What's the best way to describe that? Intellectual intellectual property. It's it's 2020. You have to sign into everything now. I mean, that's just Uh, big brother. Commercial ventures, Sarah. Commercial ventures, I understand. This is not a commercial venture. This is the ABC 
government funded. What they're doing is double dipping by wanting extra data, which I'm sorry, guys, if they can't program and come up with programs, you know, like without this data, then they're not doing their jobs. They have the research. They have the ratings data. Oh, my God, McKnight. We have been one of the loudest critics of the ABC around their programming choices and what they do and how they do it. And then you've been a critic about this. No, I haven't. I have not been critical of their programming. Yes, you have. I have not. Why are they buying that? That's a stupid show. No one's going to watch that. What? Why are they wasting my money on this? No, you you are totally misrepresenting me. I think ABC has some of the strongest shows on television. <coughs> We're about to talk ratings. Look at Gruen. Uh, look at sure. their Monday night. I'm not lineup. saying you've done it all the time. I'm saying you have criticised them. Oh, you I have criticised every network from time to time. Sure. I say the highs. I say the lows. The ABC's no sure. different. Just because they're government funded doesn't mean that they shouldn't be able to act. How is it double dipping that they're yeah. wanting to say, "Hey, Rob, we want to understand who you are and your viewing patterns, so that we can better serve you." How is that a bad thing? I, I, I agree with Mulk. How is it a bad they're thing? They're not selling it. They can't sell the data. Yeah. They're literally just funneling. I'm As like, opposed to 9 Now and correct. 7 Plus and 10 Play, who can and do. I understand. Correct. Absolutely on that. And, Rob, do you... Facebook you, already knows everything about you, so just let it go. That's right. <laughs> and, Rob, you pay your taxes. Obviously, you want the ABC to be a strong, robust player. They don't yeah. have a lot of the uh, the the resources that the commercial... Uh, places have they're not asking you to give up your firstborn all they want to know is yes. what stuff that you like because they're serving you news.com.au netflix 10 they're not serving you they're serving shareholders abc serves you so why exactly. is it bad i'm already giving them... them my taxpayer dollars of which by the way i just want it on record i believe they should be getting more of my taxpayer dollars mm-hmm. not less um But I don't think that as a government-sponsored entity, they need to double dip into my private information and my data. It's just, it's just a, it's just a data grab. That's all this is. All right, let's take a look at the ratings for week 42. And according to Kevin Perry at TV Black Box, the AFL delivered a powerful win for the Seven Network as the NRL again failed to deliver. Nine was well ahead for much of the week until the footy arrived. Ten premiered Junior MasterChef, but it didn't do much to lift their fortunes. Seven is counting the days for SAS Australia to premiere, and the ABC delivered its commercial rivals a reminder that smart comedy is still beloved by Australian audiences. Seven was the number one primary channel with a 20.7% share. Seven was also the number one network with a 30% share. 10, again, finished the week in fourth place with a primary channel share of just 11.3%. 9 won the 25 to 54s demo, 7 won the 16 to 39s. 7 Mate was the number one multi-channel. The Bachelorette Australia F3 was the most streamed show on BVOD with 115,000. Mark Gruen returned strong for the ABC. I think it's strongest uh, series return in years. If that was remember. a great episode. It was a brilliant episode, and for the first time, no studio audience. Mm. Um, so they had, and Russell wasn't in the room. Like no. he was on the panel, but from Melbourne via a big, you know, sort of TV uh, that they had at the desk for him. Uh, it, it was everything that we loved about Gru, and I think particularly that they uh, had a good hard look at how advertisers have been addressing the issues around the coronavirus and and even po- politicians to some degree. Uh, just the way that they 
the nature of Gruen. They cut through the spin. They talk about uh, and bring to light the advertising mechanisms at play. Enlightening and, and educating us as much as entertaining us is what makes it work. It's so smart. It's written so well. I had someone say to me that they felt that um, Will Anderson's opening monologue fell flat because there wasn't an audience there. Mm. Mate, I was laughing my head off. However, I did feel that maybe the panel could have given him a chuckle here and there. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but, you know, that's the nature of the beast where they're all trying to be serious and they've probably in the past been told don't laugh or keep it down because, mm. you know, we want the audience to be prioritised. Such a great move. We are in the death throes of the NFL and ARL battle right now. In fact, this weekend we're staring down the finals for both. First ever AFL grand final on a Saturday night ever. Um, I expect it will do gangbusters numbers yeah. for seven. The NRL grand final will do well, but nowhere close. The uh, nine will be absolutely chomping at the bit for the state of origin to do massive numbers across its three um, showings that will come in the weeks uh, just shortly. Um, but otherwise it is going to be neck and neck otherwise, just because of the return of the AFL working in tandem with sevens news. Indeed. All right. A fire has resulted in the cast and crew of Big Brother being evacuated. TV Black Box was first to reveal planned backburning broke containment lines on Saturday at approximately 2pm Sydney time, but the house did not catch fire. It has been confirmed host Sonia Kruger was evacuated along with the crew. Ben, this is not a great start to proceedings. Yeah, but it's not really their fault either. So, like, no. there was some backburning down the street and, you know, it leapt over those lines and, yes, they've now had to delay filming. Uh, it's believed they've delayed filming by a day, but uh, as we speak, uh, there is photographers outside the Big Brother house that's believed the launch is being filmed as we record this podcast. By the time this podcast is... Uh, wrapping up, I'll have full confirmation as to whether or not that is actually happening. But look, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, look, there's been quite a lot of rehearsals for this show because, you know, they were rehearsing Wednesday uh, and Thursday and supposedly on Saturday as well. So, look, there's a lot of rehearsals seeming to be going on for this what launch for? episode. Well, and Sonia's been there for a lot of it, so I'm assuming it has to do with uh, a bigger, spectacular opening than for what we saw last year. Um, this morning I had some paps sending me photos standing on a stadium, you know, looking like there's going to be a live audience. And I was like, what is it, 2012? Are we allowed to have audiences with Gosh. Big Brother? What is going on? Where's but, Mike Goldman? Uh, yeah, well, um, interestingly enough, I think that the fire you know, managed to happen just before housemates went in there. So that's probably a good thing because I hate it when they have to take the housemates out. I have a question. Yeah. Um, given that Sonia was just in Queensland doing holy moly stuff and she's obviously raced back to New South Wales to do Big Brother stuff, is she able to slip in and out of the States via some mechanism where she doesn't have to quarantine in Queensland? She doesn't have to quarantine coming back into New South Wales, but she does have to quarantine going back into Queensland. So I think that that is going to create a few issues. Well, you holy have moly's to... finished. It's done and dusted. The whole thing, um, is the filming is wrapped? Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I thought that they had more filming still to go. No, nah, it's all done. It's all done. Well, there's not that much of an issue. How long did the shoot go for? Two seconds? Uh, it was a very quick shoot. Uh, it was either, it was, I think, only two weeks or even under that. Uh, but, you know, they, they shoot from, uh, it's like 7 p.m. until 3 a.m. So they're That's shooting for most talk. of the night and they just shot back to back continuously. Um, so, yeah, uh, it'll be, she's fine. All right. Reports have emerged Channel 7 Perth presenter Basil Zemplis has been forced to give up his high-profile breakfast radio gig on 6PR. The news, as first reported by WA Today, came before Zemplis won his bid to 
be the Mayor of Perth. The report says Seven's executives told the popular presenter he would not be allowed to renew his contract with the radio station, which is owned by Channel 9. Sarah, it's a radio station, not a TV station. Is this fair? Didn't uh, one of the former Prime Ministers just announce that they were doing a Royal Commission into one person owning all the networks? Uh, like- that's Kevin Rudd. Um, trying to get a Murdoch. petition against uh, the yeah News Corp, and, and he's had a bit of success with it. I think Australia needs to get it's over there. You can't anywhere. cross like lines of ownership. I mean, just you're. I mean, to me, the bigger problem is more the fact that he's a mayor and he's still going to be on TV or radio than, you know, the fact that he's doing two different networks. And I think if you want to do a radio station, even if you want to be on two different networks and you are not contracted to the network you have, like you're a freelance person, you should be allowed to do whatever you want, just like in the States where, you know, you can do one TV station here, you can do a TV station there, you can do network, you can do cable, you can do... Yeah, and and look, he is contracted to Channel 7 and he actually said he was going to give up the 6PR gig if he became mayor. Channel 7 just had to wait and see what happened with that. I don't know why this has all jumped the gun before that, but um, but that's the that's the point. He is a Channel 7 contracted employee. They can exert some authority over this, um, and I'm sure they're happy to hurt Nine a bit because they're, like, number one in, in, in the breakfast time slot. Can I, if I was the people of Perth that voted for him, I'd be asking him to give up his weekend gig so he could focus on his job. Who says he can't do both? They 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 voted for him uh-huh. knowing what his commitments were. They all voted for him knowing that he was a presenter, he was doing this and that. They they voted, no, no, they voted for him because um, Seven West Media, Perth is a Seven West Media town. Yep. And every single thing only ever mentioned Basil. Basil, yep. uh, his opponent's got a couple of lines on page 19, but Basil yep. got front press front page he got mentions in um football yeah. commentary AFL coverage got, that's right he got mentions time. in that the the future mayor of perth is it Basil. was the most stacked I would have voted for him. He's a great guy. He's got a good... I would have voted for him. But hold on. I don't think that this is a 9-7 thing. I'm going to throw this out here. I know what you think, Rob. I'm just going to say that I reckon that it wasn't nine that didn't renew his contract. He couldn't be on a talkback commercial station whilst being a a Perth mayor. Now, you can read the sport because, hey, you're just reading an auto cue. This happened before he became the mayor, Robbo. No, no, he was always going to become the mayor. That's why I uh, preface my little rant here with the fact that he was never going to lose. Um, Channel 7, it's a Channel 7 city. Uh, He's on Channel 7. It's It's the newspaper. Um, the West Australian. He was never going to lose. The cash cow could have run for Deputy Lord Mayor. And <laughs> that's, <would have> run. <laughs> that's exactly right. <gasps> if, if, if the West Jesus. Australian said, put the cow in the big big house, it would have happened. He was never going to lose in that city, ever, ever, ever. All right. And now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah. Thanks, Rob. The doyen of Australian football media, Mike Sheehan, is hanging up his microphone. Sheehan has decided to retire from television. Because Channel 7 told him to. (laughs) (laughs) To mark its third annual National Media Literacy Week, ABC Education has partnered with the newly formed Australian Media Literacy Alliance to combat the spread of spin, misinformation and fake news around the world. The 2020 Media Literacy Week from 26 to the 31st of October features special events to help teachers and students navigate the news and media landscape. Because Channel 7 told them to. 
ABC Me series Hardball has won an International Emmy Kids Award celebrating the best children's content from around the world. Because Channel 7 told them to. And 7Mate has announced that in celebration of its 10-year anniversary, they're kicking off an hour of local comedy power on Monday, October 26th. Paul Fennick's Howzos 2020 will air at 8.30pm and brand new adult animation Regular Old Bogan will follow at 9pm. Everyone, and because Channel, Channel 7, 7 told them to. And that is this week's Patches and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah. Coming up, we speak with the creator and executive producer of Entourage. Plus, Ben is opening the TV, Black Bolt. What juicy goss will we get this week? Find out in just a moment. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And Robin Robbo. It's the most talked about TV show that's not on TV. And I think you guys are amazing. With raw, honest opinions. This was not a mistake. This was a lie. Exclusive stories. Some industry insiders have been talking about this. Is that a Ben Robin Robbo exclusive? And plenty of famous faces. I'm not wasting these gold moments on the 60 minutes. (laughs) The Ben Robin Robbo Show is the new way to stream your news. This is the stuff that headlines are made of. Live every Monday to Thursday. Thursday at 1pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on Ticker TV or Facebook and Twitter at BRR Show. Watch live or on demand. It's Well, it was the show that exposed the truth about Hollywood, created controversy with its portrayal of celebrity agents and gained a huge worldwide following. That show was called Entourage, and we spoke to its creator, Doug Ellen, on a recent episode of the Ben Robin Robbo Show, and we began by looking at a classic Ari Gold moment. Everybody, stop. I didn't go to the Lakers game because they were playing the f***ing Bobcats, and I came here today because I thought this was a session on how my wife could learn to communicate, how to answer a question without a question, basic humanity 101, which I thought, given your wall of diplomas you could easily fix or if you couldn't you could give her a pill that could either fix it or make her a mute but now to turn around and gang up on me i have work to do i have hundreds of clients to deal with and just so we're clear i don't care about any of them they're all just a number like wife number one and therapist number seven good day You're really only our fifth. <laughs> the legend that is Harry Gold. The creator of the show was Doug Ellen, who has launched Victory the Podcast. And this takes listeners behind the scenes of the iconic show. And Doug joins us now. Doug, welcome to the Ben Robin Robbo Show. Thank you for having me. Oh, look, Very it's uncomfortable honor. watching that. Oh, you don't have to be uncomfortable. It's Ari legendary stuff. You know, you created a classic television character there. Look, was creating this show the opportunity of a lifetime for you? I mean, it turns out that it was, you know, Mark Wahlberg came to me and said he had like a loose idea about him and his friends 
Uh, when he first said it to me, I actually didn't see much of, a, of an idea in it, but uh, ultimately it worked. So, uh, so I was glad he made the call. <laughs> Well, as you mentioned, the show's sort of based on Mark Wahlberg's experiences, you know, when he was an up-and-coming star. How much did he have as an input into the storylines, or was it just really that original, you know, inspiration? Well, it was really that original inspiration, and that's why I say it's uncomfortable to watch that scene, because that, I mean, Ari's wife was based on my ex-wife, and that those therapy <laughs> sessions... Those therapy <laughs> sessions were my wife and I, and I really did find them very funny then. And now when I look at it, I'm like, I need to call her after this and apologize, because that's really what our therapy was like. And uh, Hang on, you know, were you watched, Ari Gold yeah. in that scenario? That's hilarious. I, I was definitely Ari Gold, and my son played their son, so there were a lot of things <laughs> from my life that oh, wow. ended up on the show. Yeah. And, and what's real? what's really awful is that now, because of the podcast, I'm rewatching the show, which I haven't done in years. And, and unfortunately, I'm divorced and have a new girlfriend. And my girlfriend watched it with me, and she's like, that's you, and not in a complimentary way. She's like, that is you. Now so, we know uh, why you said it was awkward. Yeah, we get it now. Yeah, yeah. Well, Doug, we, we, we touched a little bit there on uh, some more tough times. You created this amazing success. But what, are the, what has been the tough times for you in Hollywood itself? I mean, so many. I mean, honestly, before Entourage, I had made two independent movies that both were released worldwide and, and picked up by studios, which is very difficult to do. But one of them, a movie called Kissing a Fool, was picked up. It was a million-dollar movie that got picked up and released around the world. It didn't make the type of money they were hoping for, and I, I could not get a job for a year. So uh, yeah. I was thinking about going back to law school, and that was after making two movies and selling a bunch of screenplays. So I have seen the ups and downs, and that was after I had a, a child and a wife. So uh, I, I've seen it all, and I used a lot of those things in Entourage. So it, It's amazing, though, because you were working on a show called Life with Bonnie, which I actually really liked. You were a staff writer, and so that's how you were making your money. And you got plucked to do this show. How does that happen? How do you go from being a staff writer to being the creator and executive behind a show? Well, the question is not how do you go from being a staff writer? What happened was Bonnie Hunt was in my movie that I wrote and directed, Kissing a Fool. And ah. after it came out, after it came out, I, I could not get a job. And my call to Bonnie was to beg her to give me a job, which she gave me. The staff writing job is the lowest level job. So I went from directing and writing movies that Universal Studios released to going on to a show. And Bonnie, obviously, we know how talented she was, but she didn't have mm. any use for writers on that show. So I basically, in that office, while I was making my essentially minimum wage there, I wrote Entourage while I was working on that show. But... Um, Fortunately, I knew Bonnie because that was the only job anyone would give me after that movie came out, which is kind of wow. hard to believe because before before the movie came out, I was getting offers to do the Heartbreak Kid way before Ben Stiller and uh, all of these other things. And then when the movie came out, it all evaporated like that. So it's just incredible you know i also was going to say to you i had this job where i worked with this guy who was my boss who was similar age to me and every lunchtime we would watch entourage episodes he absolutely adored this show he was a little bit like ari gold but i guess the question i have for you is 
What do you make of the controversy around the characterization of Ari Gold? I mean, at some points, his misogynism uh, seemed to be depicted in a really confronting way. But isn't is is that a good role model? Is that a good person to have on television? Well, what I, do you think now? I think that. Well, what I think now is the conversations about who's a role model and who's not is is asinine and idiotic to me. Is Tony Soprano a good role model? He's the serial killer, no. but it's a it's a it's a it's a character that a was based on somebody real, and that's and most people who watch the show believe it was a very realistic portrayal of the real Ari and others as well. But more importantly, it is a character and. If you wanted to go into his real personality, he had a big mouth, but at the end of the day, he was a good family guy and a good father. But would I prefer people speak like that? No. So, but it was a character, so. Exactly. Well, this boss of mine, really, he didn't really speak like that, and he was a fantastic guy, but, you know, I just thought it was so funny. He picked up probably the likability of Ari Gold, you know, from what I could see from him. But, look, the best thing about this podcast that I absolutely adore is that you're bringing former castmates together, and there's this obvious bond that's still there all these years later. Uh, is that authentic? Is that how it really is with you guys when you get together? Yeah, I mean, listen, not obviously not everyone, but... For the most part, there was a large group of us on this show that were instantaneously best friends. And the show, while inspired by Mark's life, was really based on my group of friends that I grew up with. And I searched in casting for guys that were like that. And it really worked out. And now, I guess 16, whatever years later, which is hard to believe, we're all very close. And getting back in and doing this podcast, it just picked up where it left off. And the good thing is people who are listening are like, it kind of feels like the show mm. without the vulgarity, by the way. We're not very vulgar. We're not <laughs> sexist. And in real life, we were either. So uh, I, I, hopefully people will check it out. Well, Doug, I think we're really lucky to have the podcast because we can revisit the show. I think it's fantastic. I'm going to ask you one really last, really hard question. Tell me, what uh -oh. was maybe one of a few best moments that you had while making Entourage? You know, I, I mean, it's a question people ask me, which there were so many. But, I mean, mm -hmm. we got Bono to say happy birthday, Johnny Drama, on my birthday. I don't know if I was 34 <laughs> or 35, but... Brian Burns, who wrote on the show and produced, knew Bono. And I walked into the office one day. I was kind of angry like Ari. And I was like, Brian, why don't you deliver something? Get us you 2 and whatever. And he delivered it. And <laughs> sitting at the, at the Staples Center in a full crowd, he said, happy birthday, Johnny Drama in Spanish. And it was my actual birthday. That was pretty special. Brilliant. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's a good moment. Yeah, very good. Yeah. And you did work with a lot of great people. Doug Ellen is the creator of Entourage. Make sure you listen to Victory, the podcast, wherever you subscribe to podcasts. And you can watch Entourage here in Australia by subscribing to binge.com.au. Doug Ellen, Victory, that is an iconic moment in the series when Johnny Drama yells out Victory. And you have created a whole <laughs> other section for us to listen to. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. Stay safe. All right, now it's time for the inside goss on what's happening in the world of TV and celebrity as we open the TV Black Vault with Ben. Well, thanks for that, Rob. Uh, last week we got quite a few people writing in and asking for me to reveal some of our juicy bits of gossip. I will tell you for the first time as long as I've been doing this, one of my pieces of information was incorrect. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. And I'm going to own it. 
I'm going to own it. Okay, so my third option, which a lot of people voted for, was asking about these two stars that changed their bio on Instagram, uh, making people speculate that these two w- women wouldn't return to the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I know people. some of the people listening to this podcast is like, I don't care because they don't watch that show, and <laughs> fair enough, and I get that. But uh, Lisa Renner and Erica Jane were those two women, and they have been re-signed and it has been announced. So all <gasps> oh. of the rumours about that is We incorrect. can sleep again. Yeah. Does anyone care on this podcast? Raise your hand. Not an inch. It's a visual. It's a visual. Okay, uh, I also want to say to lots of people out there, a new person who guessed it straight away after listening to the podcast was at Smilesy underscore 101. So congratulations to her. She was able to get uh, that pretty quickly. Now moving on to this week's, which is very exciting. Um, One up-and-coming reality TV contestant has been leaking stories to the media, but while he might feel that he is the insider, it would appear that he is just as clueless as the rest of us. Oh, so he thinks he's giving away real goss and he hasn't got a clue. Yeah, he's on a show that's in production at the moment and he's leaking everything to different media Is it the Ben outlets. Robin Robbo show? <laughs> <laughs> the TV black hole? <laughs> well, good guess, but no. Number two, uh, get set to see more of one of Channel 7's personalities as they have been telling all their mates that they've just signed a triple deal for 2021. A triple, a triple deal? deal? Three shows? Yeah. Even more than Great Genia. That's a lot. I don't Great even Gen- know what cha- what what does Channel Seven have? Is it Channel Seven? Did I misunderstand this? Yeah, no, it's Channel Seven. <laughs> well, hang on, hang on. It was reported in the Age today that Grand Dania is going to Channel Seven next year. Well, someone's telling everyone that they've got a triple deal next year, and I can't confirm or deny that it is Grand Dania. Anyway. Oh. Number three, one guest at Zac Efron's birthday wasn't exactly thrilled by the party. She was overheard saying it was a massive letdown from the night that she'd pictured in her own mind. Did she think? Okay. Can I just hear the sounds of a donkey? Yeah. Oh, that was brutal. <laughs> oh. Well, on that bizarre note, that brings us to the end of another edition of TV Black Box. Don't forget, for the latest news and exclusive information, go to tvblackbox.com.au and we'll be back again next Tuesday morning in your podcast feed. Thank you, Sarah. Because Channel 7 told us so. Uh, I I, hope everybody enjoyed that donkey sound at the end there. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Ben. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Rob, it has been my great pleasure to join you this evening. Yes, it has. And thank you, David Robbins. <laughs> Robert, thank you so much for having me. I was only here because Channel 7 said I could be. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to include that running gag now, aren't I? All yep. right, we'll see you next week. Thank you.
gold moment. All right, now it's time for the inside goss on what is happening in the world of TV and celebrity as we open the TV Black Vault with Ben. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the TV Black Box. We thank you for your time. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the TV Black Box. Don't forget, for all the latest news, inside information and opinion pieces, go to tvblackbox.com.au. Sarah, Mulk, Ben, thank you very much for your time. Robbo, we appreciate you coming along for this journey. We'll see you next week right here on Tuesday Morning. 